Welcome to Reach, your platform to connect with other executive assistants and acquire game-changing knowledge and perspective. Reach is designed to inspire your workday, guide you through pivotal moments in your career, and transform you into the executive assistant you've always wanted to be. Hello and welcome to Reach. Today we are joined by the oh-so-lovely Paige Ziegler, fresh back from her vacation, glowing and uh, relaxed. Welcome, welcome to Reach. Thank you, Jessica. I'm so How happy to be here. Today? Oh, we're so happy to have you. I know when we talked about doing this, you said, "Oh my gosh, I've always wanted to be like Terry Gross." <laughs> <laughs> so, so true. So we're excited to uh, allow you to fulfill that dream of yours. Thank you. Yeah. So a little bit about Paige. Paige is, uh, for a little over a year now, has been the executive business partner to the CEO of Mapbox, a gentleman named Eric Gunderson. And for those of you who don't know Mapbox, they are a startup that is basically changing the way developers um, integrate with and, and create live location maps and really changing the game as far as the location space goes. A number of their clients are companies like the Weather Channel or Snapchat or Facebook. So a lot of big name companies that we all know and use on the regular. So Paige is here today to speak with us about uh, a really important topic, which is what it means to be a strategic partner to your executive. And even more specifically, what does strategic really mean anyway? It's a word that we hear quite a bit. So. I love this question. We had an executive at Mapbox recently who was looking to bring on support yeah. and considering a candidate and said she really wants to be strategic, but I don't really know what that means. Yeah. Tell me what that means. Totally. And what I shared with him is I really feel like rather than looking at just the day to day, you were looking at the big picture. And so when I first started working with Eric at Mapbox, it was looking at the year ahead and uh, what events are coming up? Uh, what are the priorities of the business? Like, what do things look like big picture? and how do we work backward from there. Mm -hmm. And I think it also means being an extension and being a surrogate for Eric in certain areas and parts of the business that he's comfortable delegating to me mm -hmm. and he can share with the team just ask Paige. Like, I don't want, I don't want to think about that. Mm -hmm. And uh, knowing how he would think about that and the kinds of decisions that he would make uh, allow me to add more value strategically in certain areas that he um, is comfortable with so he can focus on other priorities. Mm -hmm. When you're thinking about your role um, and you think about kind of the strategic projects and elements that you take on uh, on behalf of your boss, um, what what do those actually translate to? Like you mentioned thinking about the bigger picture and thinking like over the longer term, but can you give us some maybe some tangible examples of like what that what that actually looks like for you? Definitely. And I feel like uh, sometimes you just get dropped into whatever may be coming up at the moment. And uh, recently it had to do with sales and looking at sales quotas and Eric sent me a spreadsheet and hey, can you just 
check what I'm seeing here? Is this what I'm really seeing? And actually, like, what are the high-level takeaways here? So it might be something really analytical. Another example is we were considering, uh, you know, Mapbox has been a company now for over 10 years. And, uh, like, what is our process for secondary sales of stock options? And what would our options be there? And what are the potential people we could work with? And um, ghosting notes that Eric can send to the board to also get their input. I think a third recent example is there's actually a lot of conversation right now about antitrust issues and what mm. that'll look like. And, uh, you know, where Ma- Mapbox's place is in that compared to some of the other uh-huh. uh, players in the location space and drafting communication of what that would look like to share with the team uh, in terms of uh, what we're doing and what we're looking at and how those things are are moving forward. Wow. And just to, to give our listeners a little bit of context, because I think that your background is um, is really very eclectic and also <laughs> you laugh. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this. <laughs> um I mean, we could argue that no one is really conventional, but I feel like you're especially unconventional in terms of all of the different things that you've done in your professional career. So just to kind of highlight that for our listeners. So you were um, at Google at one point doing sales and client services. You were also a critical care nurse uh, for a number of years. You were a uh, editor-in-chief of Creative Magazine. So you've also been a journalist, um, which kind of speaks to maybe some of the things that you said about, you know, ghost authoring um, emails on behalf of your executive and things of that nature. That's obviously a skill set that you have and a secret weapon. Um, and then from from those experiences, you somewhat pivoted and got into um, support work and were an executive business partner to the CEO of a biotech startup. Um, and then we're also in venture capital for a number of years before landing ultimately at this role with Mapbox. So, um I think that there's just a lot in your background that lends itself. So can can you maybe speak to how some of those experiences and just the the breadth of things that you've been exposed to, how those maybe lend themselves to how you're able to understand and gather context in your current role? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think the common thread through everything is I really started out, you know, at AOL and Google with this love for tech and that passion was definitely always there and then did make that transition to a nurse. And when I think about that transition, the skills that really carry over from nursing that I think a lot of people don't consider are I still use my triaging skills daily, so I'm constantly thinking about what's emergent, what's urgent, what's important, Mm -hmm. and how do you make sure that the emergent doesn't always overtake what's important because you don't want the important to become something that starts festering and unnecessarily becomes emergent. And that framework, I think, is tremendously helpful when you're supporting executives because the priorities are constantly changing and what things look like every day uh, really has to be uh, juggled in in a really creative way. Yep. I also and the difference is that, I mean, this is sort of a bad, you know, pun that people say, but it's like, well, nobody's going to die, <laughs> which is not the case <laughs> in your other role. So that does kind of give you just a little bit of breathing room to kind of like, you know, process. Absolutely. Right? But going hand in hand with that, I think uh, there is a, a level of detail and being meticulous that mm-hmm. comes from being a nurse and mm-hmm. you're giving medication mm-hmm. on IV pushes and mm-hmm. you have to be really thorough with your assessments. And when you're supporting executives at a high level, you really have to have that 
a level of you have to care that much about the details. Mm -hmm. You have to sweat the details that much. I also think nursing, you are dealing with a wide variety of people, uh, often on the worst days of their life. Mm -hmm. And being able to not take those things personally and Mm -hmm. just keep moving Mm -hmm. um, and be able to go far and wide and high and low and Mm -hmm. to get things done, I Mm -hmm. think, is a great skill that came from nursing as well. Yeah. So how does being strategic vary across industries or does it? Like, for instance, when you were in venture capital, was your role strategic in that in that capacity? And if so, like what what did that how did that visibility differ? And how did your ability to be a strategic ally differ across industries? I think it it looked different. I, I think there's certainly a capacity, you know, in any vertical. And I think my biggest takeaway is it really depends on the executive you're working with and their capacity and their willingness and uh, comfort with being able to delegate those things and leave that space and trust someone to get those things done on behalf of them. I would say venture capital versus a more, you know, startup type environment. I would say operate like executive operations on the startup side, there is more of an opportunity to be a culture keeper, you know, to be a face and extension Mm -hmm. of your executive, especially Mm -hmm. as the company is growing Mm -hmm. and play a key hand in that, that whereas I've typically seen more venture capital firms um, aren't growing as rapidly, Mm -hmm. you know, you may play a part in that, but maybe not such a face of the company Mm -hmm. and involved in that sort of way. Mm -hmm. And I would say at Grail, it was rapidly growing raised a billion dollars. There were certain aspects of that that were very focused on. Um, You know, the company felt different every time the number of employees doubled. And how do we still make this feel like a place where the first people here, you know, still really feel like they have that coziness and culture that they want and bring people along on this ride because it gets uncomfortable. I think it sounds exciting on the outside and Mm -hmm. it can get pretty uncomfortable on the inside. And I think there is a huge opportunity in exec support and operations Mm -hmm. to really help people be more comfortable with it and create an environment where that kind of spirit and comfort is really fostered. Yeah. Well, and thinking about things like preserving um, what is integral and um, and special and valuable to that culture. Absolutely. Um, because as you, as you point out, I mean, there's this sort of dilution effect that can happen very, very easily in a rapidly growing company. So it sounds like the, the growth and the um, rapidness of the growth was kind of the biggest thing that changed the the way in which you supported absolutely um, in those different environments. Yeah, and I think the author side of it is in venture capital. I was able to look at a lot of different portfolio companies across yeah. completely different verticals. Yeah. You're exposed to all yeah. of these really exciting ventures yeah. and opportunities that sure. I never would have seen yeah. just being focused in one area uh-huh. at a startup before. Yeah. And I think that was the flip side of it. I yeah. was really able, you know, I attended board meetings, like sure. I got to see the decks, I did analyses for some of the the companies that we were considering. And those opportunities definitely weren't possible on the operations side. So definitely both have really exciting aspects that uh, can add value in a really tremendous, tremendously different way. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. I mean, it's just so interesting to to hear like what you said about your current role and some of the projects that you've been brought into. Like it's hard to imagine having that kind of opportunity in maybe like a venture firm digging into things like sales sales trajectories or how are we going to deal with, you know, secondary markets for these stock options or the antitrust stuff. Like that's just 
it's really interesting to see how opportunities present themselves as the company balloons and, and morphs. Absolutely. So how would you say that your role at Mapbox was strategic, you know, day one or right away? And and if not, how do you angle yourself to create a more strategic opportunity? I think what I had going for me on day one is Eric was really looking for someone that he could leverage in a lot of different ways. And so there was that opportunity from day one. Um, on day four, Mapbox's map was actually vandalized. Uh, someone oh, actually that. renamed New York City Jutropolis, and it made it all the way to Snapchat's map. Wow. Um, and so we had a PR crisis on, wow. on day one. That was, and that was your first week? That was my okay, first cool. week. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Some people are still learning how to access their email, and you're dealing with triaging a PR crisis. That's yeah, great. and we, you know, I think we had a lot of events, not related to PR, but a lot of things that happened, I think, in the first three months that really helped us build trust very yeah, quickly. Yeah. And uh, so I think the first aspect is if the executive is willing for the role to look like that, I think that's huge. I think there are some executives who, who really find that mm-hmm. it's tremendously hard to let things go, mm-hmm. and you can be trustworthy, you can find follow through on everything. But if they're just not quite there and not able to let go, my impression has been it's been harder for for people to be leveraged fully in that way and get that opportunity. And so um, probably not from day one, but I feel like the opportunity was there. And then because we were able to build trust so quickly, I felt like he was able to just keep throwing things Mm -hmm. at me. And I do end up with a a lot of little small projects Mm -hmm. that there isn't quite someone in the company yet who can can pick those things up and yeah. he's willing to throw them at me. Yeah. Yeah. And so if if trust is sort of the linchpin for um, creating this strategic opportunity, then how do you build trust? Yes. I think that over communicating in the beginning is huge and I think it can feel tedious and you don't want the executive to feel like, you know, you're not on it or you don't understand. But especially the first couple of weeks, I asked Eric to repeat himself a lot. Like Mm -hmm. I had to learn even the cadence of his voice and uh, sometimes it just sounds like he's mumbling. And Mm -hmm. I feel like I know that nuance now. Mm -hmm. And I know actually it's helpful because a lot of other people, I think, experience that sometimes Mm -hmm. when they first meet him as new employees. And Mm -hmm. I can give people a heads up like hey it's okay to ask him to repeat himself mm-hmm. I think people are a lot like intimidated mm-hmm. and Eric just moves fast sometimes he is talking so fast mm-hmm. I think people don't have the same processing speed mm-hmm. and you know just being able to say hey wait I didn't catch that or I caught this part can you say this and uh, making sure that you know the details and I think that's hugely important um, I clarified things that I didn't know um I think putting in the hours is really important mm-hmm. at the beginning and uh, following through. Mm-hmm. You know, the if if you're dropping balls, especially in the beginning, uh, I think trust breaks down quickly and yep. erodes it in a way that's I've seen it's really tough for people to come back from. Going back to something you said about Eric, which was that, you know, he was this very willing executive and very willing to to partner and to give you context and to basically say, yes, come help me take this off of my plate. Um, at the same time, you know, when someone is going through an interview process and, you know, you were at one point going through an interview process, how do you try to assess whether that opportunity is there and whether someone is truly willing to um, engage you in that level. And I, I would love to know, like, you know, how you've assessed that in your own um, roles and, and interviews, but also what advice you would give to others about how they might assess that. 
Sure. With Eric, I think he very upfront when he started that first phone call with me, he is very gregarious and charismatic and came out of the gate saying, I looked at your website. I looked at everything on your portfolio. I've written everything. I've read everything that you have ever wow. written. And uh, I really. Like, Does that include my diary? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's just weird. <laughs> Yes. So Uh I feel like I came to the table with that appreciation that he really appreciates writing. And what he shared with me is that he really appreciates writing because it drives a clarity of thought. And so I knew up front that he was really looking for someone that he could utilize in that way, Mm -hmm. uh, which was just kind of, I think, an early sign Mm -hmm. of the possibility. Mm -hmm. I think even in that first interview, though, I had no idea what the breadth and depth of that could look like in terms of communication and how much I could be drafting for him and and be of service. And so I think that was exciting in that initial call. It's been even, you know, more tremendously rewarding, Mm -hmm. you know, throughout Mm -hmm. the past year to Mm -hmm. be able to execute and use my skills that way. I think, too, Eric was able to give me some other really specific examples Mm -hmm. related um, to how he travels Mm. and uh, how he does events and press. And, like, these are the specific ways that I want you to work with me on these things uh, Mm. to help me be more successful. And so I would share with other people, if if the executive can give you specific examples up front, um, or even if they can, even if you can prod them a little bit, well, what does this look like? Or could I add value in this way? And if you can kind of test the limits a little bit and yep. see what sort of response you're getting back, I think that's hugely helpful. I also think the other thing that I picked up on with Eric is he was very willing in that first conversation to just share a ton of context. Mm-hmm. And I think if a, an executive is willing to invest, you know, even those few extra minutes of time up front in that initial conversation right. of this is why this is important, right. it shows that they're willing to, like, spend that focus yep. with you. And, like, yep. I know that, that those few extra couple of minutes will give yep. you context that you can leverage to work on my behalf later. Yep. And uh, I think that was another tell that I saw that I would recommend that other people look for. Too. Yeah, I think that, that that's absolutely right. And I think that just in, you know, my own observations of working with our clients and working with an, a number of CEOs and, 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 you know, general partners, founding partners, I think the people who um, are invested in that why conversation of why we're doing this? Why is this happening? Why is this, you know, going on? What is this all about? People who spend time kind of existing in that realm, I feel like there's more of a um, a willingness to give and share context, which is ultimately, you know, what is what is all about as far as getting to that strategic place. Um, Definitely. Yeah. No, I think that's that's super valuable. Um, so maybe you could give us some examples like, you know, I, I think sometimes too, like when people are going through an interview process, we'll say to an executive, you know, we'll consider like what would be a good answer and what would be a great answer, like, right? Like, like what's good versus great support? What's adequate versus exemplary? And I think too, like maybe you could give some examples for our listeners around like if they're sort of asking themselves, gee, am I approaching my role in the most strategic way possible, right? So, um if you're looking at the calendar, right, like what is kind of tactical, adequate support versus what is what does somebody looking at a calendar from a strategic perspective, how are they viewing it? Right. 
or uh, other things like, you know, an email comes through requesting time from your executive or a media inquiry or whatever. What is adequate kind of tactical support look like in a situation like that versus what does strategic support? How does a strategic person deal with that? Sure. I think calendar tactical support looks like I'm looking at the day ahead, the week ahead. I know, you know, how the day goes, that the room's available, um, that the attendees have confirmed that there's an agenda, general outline that my executive is walking into the room and they have everything they need to make that time successful Mm -hmm. in there. I think going above and beyond like that strategic support looks like uh, it is much more 30,000 square foot view Mm -hmm. of, yes, I'm doing that day, week, month, but I also know the quarter and I know the year and I know how this all fits into the grand priorities, not just for the company, but for my executive and what he's doing at home and making sure that all of that integrates. So. And um, identifying the things that conflict really early. Mm -hmm. Uh, Eric traveled 300,000 miles last year. And so a lot of things move around. And we have six international office hubs. And how do we make sure that Eric has FaceTime and that he Mm -hmm. is understanding what's happening on the ground there? And, you know, how can we optimize that time? Oh, and the board meetings every quarter. And how do we make sure that there's planning in there and uh, time with the team? And and then, you know, you're constantly adjusting day by day. Day, week by week, mm-hmm. based on what comes up without mm-hmm. losing sight of mm-hmm. this is what we planned in the bigger picture and mm-hmm. how do we not lose sight of that yep. in terms of the priorities. Yep. Eric, from day one, I've been a surrogate on his, or a delegate on his email box and I think that that adds tremendous context for me in terms of I can go back in the search and see what the history is there. And what I do when those sorts of things come through is I'll go to the different parts of the team to get as much information as I need to see if Eric actually needs to make a decision. Mm -hmm. So if there's a media inquiry that comes through, I just think with the comms team, hey, is this Mm -hmm. something we want to do? What's your input? And if there are things, you know, that are pretty clear Eric wouldn't want to do, those aren't even getting – They're not not, even going to him. Yeah. And so what are those things that we can just bypass his time so he doesn't have to think about it and he can stay focused? on what's most important. Yep. Yep. I think that the deflector ability is huge. Yeah. And, you know, and not just with media inquiries, too. I think when people are asking for time, it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, I want a meeting for this. And tell me more. What do you want to cover? And Mm -hmm. uh, it is definitely the expectation at Mapbox that there's a pre-read. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it could be up to six pages Mm -hmm. and you can have an appendix with all sorts of attachments in it. And Eric will read it. He's Mm -hmm. a speed reader. Mm -hmm. But he wants to go into that room and doesn't want to like we don't do slides at Mapbox. Mm -hmm. He wants to know what's in there. There. Mm-hmm. And so come to the meeting and he'll have that conversation, but he wants to be prepped before mm-hmm. and people really have to spend that time doing that. And yep. so I think there is a culture thing that works to the advantage, too. Um, but not to say like there are definitely some urgent things that, that come up and mm-hmm. I can ask for a little context and mm-hmm. help make sure that that gets in front of him and, and that we're not missing some other things that um, – don't always require six pages. Right. So what are the, the payoffs to you personally of being in a strategic role? How has that impacted your satisfaction level in your career and just the types of opportunities that you've had? It's had a tremendous impact. I moved to San Francisco without a job. And when I saw the opportunity at Grail, I was really most excited, one, about the mission. They're working Mm -hmm. on a blood test to help detect Mm -hmm. cancer early. And number two, the CEO, the founding CEO, Jeff Huber, 
uh, had been a senior VP of engineering at Google for over a decade. Mm. He'd helped scale Google Maps and Google Apps. Over a billion people use those products every day. And so talking with him and seeing his vision for Grail at the time, I knew I wanted to work on something really big. And I have always optimized for working with you know, really smart people who want to solve really big problems that mm-hmm. are really hard. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think proximity matters. I think you can learn so much working next to people who aren't afraid to tackle really big problems. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Grail meant bringing together like the most amazing engineers, the most amazing people on the clinical side doing population scale clinical trials. And then it also meant bringing people together on the R&D and the lab side. And all three of these people did not have a common language and you know what does that look like and you can learn I learned so much just being at the table and having that exposure and um, you learn how people uh, not just interact but how they get things done when when times are really hard and um, I've learned a lot about um, I, I would definitely say it's a tremendous responsibility to raise the kind of venture capital that's available here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, Grail raising a billion dollars. I mean, it absolutely should change the company. Mm-hmm. Um, but wow, I mean, that that'll change a company. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and uh, I don't know where else I would have had the opportunity to do something like that if I hadn't, yep. you know, optimized for proximity yep. and and thinking really big and. Yeah, so I'm so grateful, and I feel like it has a lot of of carryover. And seeing how successful these executives are, I also yeah. realize how much help they have. Yep. And I think yeah. that was huge for me, like something I didn't realize before. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, there's usually a partner and sometimes a family manager and someone helping mm-hmm. with childcare mm-hmm. or doing meal preparation. And sure. there's a housekeeper and. Um, I think there is a myth that, especially with women, that like, you know, success looks a certain way and that we are doing it all. And uh, I think it was one thing for me to realize, you know, how much help it takes to get things done at home and and at work. And don't think that I would have had that sort of visibility Mm -hmm. if it had not uh, been for, you know, the kind of executive support and operations that I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, too, like in, in, in the seat that you're in, I mean, it really does humanize some of these very almost like mythic people, right? I mean, it's like sometimes you can look at somebody that's accomplished so, 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 so much and just kind of they become like this sort of like legendarily huge person. And I think, too, when you have the opportunity to work in tandem and day in, day out, like you see the struggles, you see the impact that these pressures have, you see, you know, uh, how they respond to stressors. And it, it just kind of makes things more relatable, I think. Absolutely. I do feel like that's been one of the most exciting parts of my role is I've always viewed it as how can I help this person be as successful as possible? And I feel like that encompasses a pretty wide scope. Mm -hmm. And, you know, looking at it through that lens Mm -hmm. uh, has been really rewarding. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you how would you encourage people either through what you've done for yourself or just advice that you would give to others about um, how to cultivate your sort of strategic abilities or strategic awareness? Like what are things that they can actively work on or do to try to flex that muscle? I love this question. And I'm not sure if there's a right answer Uh for everyone. I think there are definitely nuances with every executive 
and and different value that you can bring. I think every executive that I've worked with, it looks different and how I can add value is different. And you kind of have to find that little inlet of, of the sweet spot that works for both of you. I do think uh, my other interests in life have mm-hmm. helped me be more strategic and that there are other parallels and other mental models that I use and bring to the table that are interesting. I'm never going to be more of an expert than the executives that I work with, but mm-hmm. I do have a, you know knowledge from other areas and from the other companies that I've worked with and uh, other experiences in life that have definitely proved really valuable in this role. Mm-hmm. And uh, so for me, that means reading a lot and mm-hmm. being interested in other things it means taking time off and Mm -hmm. and relaxing and yeah Mm -hmm. getting recharged and stepping away from the business I think certain things can become more clear when you take that time away Mm -hmm. and I also think uh, I would just remind people to keep thinking really big picture I think it can be really hard to slow down and look at what's happening in the year ahead Uh, But I think that that's really important. And when you start thinking about, okay, there's a board meeting coming up, like what does the team need to do? Mm -hmm. Six weeks, four weeks, two weeks. uh, When does the pre-read need to be sent? And, you know, any sort of instance like that, like my execs giving a keynote speech, you know, how soon can we start working on this? You know, who's putting... It's a tremendous stage and there's, you know, Mm -hmm. crazy. Are Mm -hmm. we going to have someone design the deck so it looks really spectacular? And uh, putting all those details together and uh, I I mean, and that's really exciting when you can think about those things. So your exec doesn't even have to worry about it and they could just show up and know that you've thought through Mm -hmm. all of those things. And so, yeah, just I think the more you can think ahead, Mm -hmm. which I also think is something I really learned from nursing. Mm. I think sometimes it, it it can sound a little negative, but I think sometimes I'm always looking for what could go wrong mm-hmm. because if I can if I can mitigate it ahead of time, right. then uh, I can help kind of optimize right. everyone's time. Right. So um, I, I am thinking what can go wrong a lot, and that yeah. means thinking very far ahead, and I yeah. think that that can be helpful too. Yeah. So everyone should go get their nursing degree. (laughs) (laughs) It's a prerequisite for for supporting CEOs. Um, But really, what an interesting, I guess, parable for the EA role, which you didn't, I mean, we wouldn't necessarily think on the the face value, but it, it totally makes sense when you describe it. So going back to something you said earlier, Paige, about, you know, especially in the the beginning of a relationship, the importance of building trust. And part of that trust factor is not dropping balls, keeping on top of things, making sure the follow-up and the follow-through is there. So I think sort of a natural um, question that emerges for me from that is how do you do that? How do you keep tabs on this really complicated organizational landscape and all these different things that are happening? Um, What is your system? I try to keep it as simple as possible. I want to be able to use something on my phone, on my desktop, on the go, not be really reliant on anything too fancy. And for me, it has just been a Google Sheet. So I just keep track of my tasks. I have one tab with what needs to get done that's task-oriented, one that's project-oriented, and then I actually keep track of all my done stuff. Uh, Sometimes that helps me feel good at the end of the day that I look back and Uh can can see what got done. 
And in email, you know, I'm triaging both my inbox and Eric's inbox. I mm-hmm. do heavily use labels, which is surprising for me. Okay. Uh, but I do a check beginning and end of day to kind of make sure that nothing has fallen through the cracks. I have labels for what's high priority, and I check those. Um, I label them with an at symbol at the beginning, mm-hmm. so the, those labels are at the top. Okay. And, uh, you know, work through those and just make sure that I, I got everything covered. That's quite okay. my, my safety. Yep. And yeah, between the sheet and labels and yep. in mail, yep. I, I've I try to keep it there. I keep my own to do list in Evernote. Yep. Okay, um, but that's more personal. But yeah. yeah, I try to yeah. keep the tool space really simple. Okay, and what I've told other EAs when they join the team at Mapbox is use the system that works for you. Yeah. Yeah. And what about with regard to time timelines and keeping it's one thing to have the to do list, but when those are time sensitive or time stamped, how do you factor in that? Sure. So with timelines, I think we still really heavily leverage just calendars. So I'm constantly keeping an eye on what things look like big picture. And we do use flags at the top of the calendar of like four weeks until here, two weeks until. And, you know, if it has to do with an event, you know, then the comms person's on it. So we know like where's the status of the talk outline? What's the deck looking like? And making sure that we have those. So try to heavily leverage the resources that we're already using and that we already have in place. And then with Eric specifically, uh, we have a daily briefing. So he Mm. really doesn't use his Mm -hmm. calendar, Mm -hmm. which I think would surprise a lot of people. Mm -hmm. It actually is just a G doc and it summarizes his entire day and then it acts as a briefing. So I just brief him on what's happening and all the pre-reads, any sort of context is linked in that one document. So he's running off that. And then we keep one other list. So there's just two wow. docs between Eric and yep. I, um, and it has check boxes and it's basically him and I like, yep. here's what you need to do. And it's prioritized and he'll come back to me. I want you to do this, this and this. And was the daily briefing something that you implemented when you joined? There was a form of his schedule in there. I think we have definitely made it into something a lot more exciting over the past year, just as I have more context and can do more of an actual briefing with him and know what's what's moving. It has definitely gotten more robust and more valuable for him. Yeah. Awesome. That's great. So as we wrap up, there's a question that we like to ask all of our guests, which is... If you were to have the opportunity to support anyone in the history of the world or in the history of time, who would that person be and why? (laughs) She's smiling. (laughs) This is it for me. I am so happy in my current role with Eric. Yeah. I feel like I really am tremendously fortunate that my skills are being utilized in the way that they are. The amount of writing and editing that I get to do every day and one of the conversations I had with Eric the first time we talked was I want to work really hard and I want to have a lot of fun. And it has absolutely been that. And I think, I think we lose that sometimes, you know, we're not having fun at work and to be able to work when you're working with someone this closely, Eric and I have traveled over 50,000 miles together this year. Like you, hopefully you make it fun and you're spending a lot of time together. And, um, you know, there's absolutely been 
tremendous difficulties and other things that we've had to go through. But if at the end of the day, like you look back and you look back at the year and you're like, this is I'm still having a good time. I I was thinking about this question. I I can't think of another figure in history where, oh, like I'd go back in time and I think I'd have more fun than I'm having right now or that would have been better for me than that. So this is it. I'm right here at this moment. That's beautiful. I know he would be so happy to hear that (laughs) because, I mean, goodness, he just adores you. And I think that, um, you know, some of the advice that you've shared with us today and and with our our listeners is so powerful because, you know, like, for instance, when I've uh, so when I've spoken with your your boss and he just, I mean, is so emphatically um, impressed with how you operate and the vitality and the intensity and the intelligence and the thoughtfulness that you bring to your role. And, you know, I mean, he's full on said, like, Paige is nothing short of transformative. And I think that some of the tools and some of the the behaviors that you've shared with our listeners today are, you know, kind of the mechanics of how one can aim to become transformative. And if you can really absorb that, that teaching that you shared, I think there's a huge opportunity to really like accelerate in your career. Um, So I just want to thank you for being so candid with all of your wisdom and all of your uh, experience and really highlighting that for people. Truly my pleasure. And thank you, Jessica and the Maven team for finding my home at Mapbox. Like what a tremendous opportunity and such a great match between Eric and I to really be able to run fast. It Mm -hmm. has just been incredibly exciting and rewarding over the past year to work with someone in this type of partnership. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Reach is brought to you by Maven Recruiting Group, who specializes in placing executive assistants and support staff to the Bay Area's most prominent executives and companies. You can learn more about Maven at www.mavenrec.com. Thank you.